It is Friday. It is January 27. The Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio. Very good morning to you wherever and however you are listening. We've got Adam Pengilly coming up shortly to talk some footy and some racing as well to get some mail for tomorrow. Loz's multi is out there for the first time in 2023. A bit of stick already here, Loz, on the text line I saw earlier. Uh, Hey, Loz, good luck with your multis this year. (laughs) I've been supporting you for a long time. And last year you were crap. So let's hope your intel is good for 2023, says Big Daz. Thanks, Daz. I thought you were okay last year. But uh, anyway, Big Daz says you were crap. Morning, boys. Got a multi for Loza. Um, uh, Sydney race four, number one, Worthily. Race seven, number four, Dehorned Unicorn. Race eight, number nine, Golden Mile from Duffy, your biggest supporter, Loza. But uh, what have you got for us, Loz? Because uh, Golden Mile's part of it. Along with Duffy. As I've always said, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. All right? but So this is what we're going to do tomorrow. We're going to go race, 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 Rose Hill, race five, number nine. Perfect proposal to run top two. She's a beaut. She's a beauty. Uh, Rose Hill, race eight, number nine, Golden Mile to win. All right? So perfect proposal. We need her to run top two. Golden Mile, we need him to run, uh, him to win. And if you want to be a part of that multi, that's paying $7. Let's seven, start the year off with a bang. Seven bucks, tab app, tab website. Click on sport and today's offers. We were speaking about Joffre Archer just before as he's set to make a return. In fact, Clarkey, it is tonight. Uh, he will play in a one-day international for England against South Africa tonight. He's adamant. He's come out and said he's adamant he wants to play in the Ashes yep. later this year. So this is his first international in nearly yeah. two I, years yeah, tonight. I, I think he played months. in. He played in like I don't know if, if it was a twenty twenty game in England uh, domestic domestic game. It was, it was one of those I think, and he picked up three for like I said. So, but he would have been bowling a lot in the nets. He's obviously done all the rehab. Um, it looks like he's he's ready to come back and play. But now it's the process of getting your body back into um, to game mode. You know, the aches and pains after your bowl. Um, and then the different formats, 2020 cricket, four overs his bowl. And one day cricket, 10 overs his bowl. And still a long way before he's he's ready to play test cricket. Um, but he'll have, you know, a, a, a shield. Oh, no, not a shield, sorry. A domestic season over in England as well. He'll, have some, he'll get some four-day cricket under his belt. And really, if you look at where he's at now uh, and when the Ashes starts, he's got, a, really a perfect amount of time to get the workload up and get his body ready for that first test match. So I think for all cricket lovers, you want, you, I want to see England at their best. I want to see this, this attitude that they've been playing with under Brennan McCullum and Ben Stokes as captain. I want to see England fully fit with all their players available. And then I would love to see the Aussies go there after beating India in India with everyone fully fit. I think then we are about to see a 2005 Ashes series. We've got a potentially a World Test Championship final in between all yeah, this exactly as well. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, the, the cricket, the cricket now, like I say, for the next next six months is good. It's it's going to be great. It's going to be great to watch. Uh, just before we get to Adam Pengilly, just a text for Loz here. Hi, Loz. What do you think of the NRL All Star squads that were named on Wednesday? I always enjoy this game. Brendan from Canberra sending that one through. I, I think they're strong squads. Um, when you look at the Indigenous All Stars, you see talent in the back line. Um, and that's no surprise. And then when you see the Maori team, just their strength in the forwards. So this will be a wonderful game. It's been played in Rotorua. It's the first time it's been taken to New Zealand. So um, the Indigenous All-Stars boys will get to learn and share 
um, knowledge about our culture and learn from the Maori culture. So I, I, I think it's a good thing. Mm. Um, yeah, obviously, you don't want to see it over there all the time, but I think to take one game over there, um, I think it would be very well supported. Um, it's great that we've got competitive games like this. Um, and both cultures are very passionate about representing their people very strongly. So, no, both great sides and looking forward to the battle, which will be, what's that, nearly a fortnight from tomorrow? Yeah, the assuming? 11th. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, two weeks away. Uh, now, Adam Pengilly, who apparently was looking resplendent, Loz uh, said in the break on form line last night. Yeah, he had the blue tie on too. Yeah. Looked a bit short, but anyway, other than that. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it was a short tie. It was a short, fat one. <laughs> you, know the, you know when the ties... The, the, the ties just... Not long enough. No, nah, not long enough. But he sat down. So he's, he's and a bit more out, Pengilly, would you? <laughs> Only a person with a sharp sharp eye like mine could tell. <laughs> was it a short Hang on, it was tie? short while he was sitting or when no, he was no, standing? No, no, no. Well, he, he had the jacket on. You couldn't really tell, but I... Knew it was short. Oh, geez. was it short? It was a little bit short, Lodge. Yeah. But, but but the reason was we sit behind a desk to do that show, so I can have the tie a little bit short. It's not, right. not an issue. I wouldn't have thought. Are you yeah. button? So you are your jacket anything, done up, Ben Gilly? <laughs> while sitting, do you keep your jacket done up or undone? Clucky, I've been in a good paddock for the last six to twelve months, so the button's bursting on my jacket. Yeah, so well ja- jacket undone at the moment. I think but when I'm, sitting, but it's got to be undone. And the other thing I've noticed, you either. Um, Wet your hands and run it through your hair, or you had jelly. Oh, slick back. Yeah. Did he have it to look, slick it back? Look, he looked smart last night. I need a night. photo of this. So what was it? <laughs> Number one's was, on Ben Gilly. Was it gel, or was it just the old... <laughs> <Not> gel. Yeah, <laughs> you just wet, wet the hair. I haven't put gel in my hair since I was about 20 years old. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, know, I don't know what you saw last night. But it looks shiny. No, it looks good. TV's playing up. Mm. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely no product in the hair last night. Let me, let me give you the tip. And good morning too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> You've just... Giorgio Marmani yeah. over here has just slammed no, him. Well, you know when you can see if the, short, uh, the, if the tie is short because it's fat. <laughs> it's a fat tie. I can't wait till you're on the Matty Johnson. Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't, very I don't good. under What part of the tie is fat? Up at the, the collar? Bo- no, the, the bottom, bottom. No, the bottom is fat and the top's fat too. <laughs> so you can always he's tell got, when someone's got a... Gilly's wearing an overweight tie, you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> the tie's been in a good paddock. Mate, I'm telling you. Uh, oh, I notice these things. A lot of people don't, but yeah. I do. You've got to be paranoid now, Lot. Yeah. <laughs> See how hard he's looking at himself before he does it next time. <laughs> There's always someone watching Adam, remember? Yeah, well, it make, makes five people now. Yeah. <laughs> now, Adam, the Dragons, we were talking the other day about how sort of everything's got to go right. Well, not much is going right for them in the preseason, is it? And, uh, well, there's already the issue with Junior Ramon, who has been stood down under the NRL's no-fault stand-down policy. And, uh, well, obviously... A player's or a person's health is more important than anything, but just from a footy sense, they've now lost Cody Ramsey from the season. Yeah, this was a big news this week, wasn't it, Jared? And I can't say it was entirely unexpected because a lot of people knew how serious this illness was. He's contracted, and um, the Dragons obviously announced he will not be playing at all in 2023. And I think it's fair to say that he's going to face an uphill battle just to play footy again, full stop, um, given the seriousness of this disease. So... It's just horrible, horrible news, isn't it? It just shows how fragile life can be sometimes. It came out of the blue, obviously, a couple of months ago. He spent a lot of time in hospital at the moment. He's out and about and spending a little bit of time around the group. But um, it's quite a serious illness. And 
uh, it's just such a shame for him and his family, given how much work he put in to get to where he was last year. And I thought he was one of the Dragons' best in the second half of last season. Like I, I, lost, I know there's a few doubts about him playing fullback on a full-time basis, but I thought he was great in the 10 or 12 games he, he played at the back there last year. And obviously, he's going to be in a battle with Terrell Sloan for that position heading into this season. But unfortunately, that's he's been ruled out of that. So when you talk about the Dragons, they've had a, a very, very difficult off-season. I don't know if you guys have spoken about it yet this week. We chatted about it on the summer show as well. Um, last December about that survey they put out about asking their members if the club should be renamed to oh, you know, yeah. great, Greater Sydney Dragons or the Southern Dragons or just the St George Dragons. So when you throw that into the mix as well with the Junior Amone stuff, Cody Ramsey, geez, it's difficult to see how they're going to perform well on the field in the first few months. And, and Loz, I'll go back to the point last year. Like ben Hunt played absolutely out of his skin last year. I thought he was, you know, he was right in the Dalian picture, obviously. I was surprised he finished so far behind Nico Hines, to be fair. And they still didn't make the finals. So, how are they going to make it this year? Yeah, I'm worried about the Dragons this year. I'm I'm really worried about how they'll go. Um, But can I ask, mate, with Junior Ramon being stood down, and we don't know how long he'll be stood down for, Mm. and with Cody Ramsey out for the season, where does this leave the Dragons in terms of salary cap? Do do they get relief on their cap with these two players? They can for Junior Amone, as far as I understand, but I don't think they can for Cody Ramsey as, as it sits right now at the moment. Um, so they can apply to the NRL for salary cap dispensation for, for Junior Amone, given he's probably going to be out for, I imagine, a fairly lengthy period of time until his court case is heard. But I think they're still giving Cody Ramsey some hope. We're trying to at least give him some hope that he can return and, and fulfil the rest of his contracts and play footy, whether it's 2024 or in the future. Yeah. So that's not a medical retirement as such yet. So, so does that mean uh, they can only carry 29 on... As it stands at the moment, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that'll, that'll be the case. Right. But you know a lot better than anyone. Like it's it's late in the season. Like the, the markets, most most teams have got their squads and rosters all settled. It's hard to bring someone in at this late notice, yeah. and especially to replace a guy who was your starting five eighth in Junior Amone. Um, I know they've got options there with Jaden Sullivan and potentially Moses Embiid to fill in there, but you're not going to get a whole lot of quality. You wouldn't have thought at this such this you know, this stage of the season, so close to round one. No, exactly right. Do you know much about this trial game tomorrow? No, I don't. I haven't heard much about it. I must admit, I'm still on leave from the Herald at the moment, yeah. um, so I haven't been making too many phone calls. But obviously, both clubs have seen an opportunity to try and get some, some minutes and into the legs of their players, given they, don't, they have a pretty light schedule in the first couple of weeks with both of them having the buy. So we'll be keen to see how heavy they go. And I, 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 I don't know what coaches are going to do with these pre-season competition laws. Well, I think I do know what they're going to do. Like I, I know the NRL is dangling this $100,000 carrot in front of them, but there's no way they're going to be risking their stars like they usually do. Yeah. Uh, and particularly in the first trial. So, you know, good on whatever team ends up winning this competition under this, this format with the, you know, all these different point scores and points for offloads and line breaks and all that. But I don't think it's going to change the coach's plan of resting the, most of their, their, their high-profile players, putting them in cotton wool and just trying to get them ready for round one. What's the uh, latest at the Dogs, buddy, under Cameron Serrato? Who's going to play yeah. fullback? Interesting story, Clarky, this week that he's looking at Hayes Perrin, this recruit they've got across from Parramatta, who spent a couple of years at the Warriors as well, to potentially fill that number one position. I just would have thought that Jake Averillo would have been the, I suppose, the guy, ideal guy to, to, to fill that fullback position, given he played there for the majority of last season. And to be fair, I thought he did a pretty good job in the second half of last year. But to me, he still looks like Jake Averillo, a perfect number 14. He's a guy who can fill a number of different spots in your back line. He can play hard, he can play centre. He can play fullback at a pinch. So maybe Cameron Serrato's identified him as that's the role they want to play him. And Hayes Perham's shown him so much so far in a couple of months of preseason. They want to give him a crack. And 
We know that Stephen Crichton's going to be the man there in, in 2024. They just need, a, I suppose, a, a stopgap for the next 12 months. And Hayes Perrin, from what a little bit I've seen of him at the Parramatta last year, looks like he's got a fair bit of ability. But whether he's up to filling that position on a, on a full-time basis, I don't know. And again, a lot of people are saying the Bulldogs are going to be a much better team this year. And obviously they will be. They win more games than last year. But my argument has been, Loz, and I made this on the summer show over the break, is like, which of those teams from the top eight last year are going to fall out of it? You know, to, for for a, for a Bulldogs mm. or a Manly or someone to make the finals this year. Well, that's a very good question because when you're assessing the form, so to speak, and you're assessing the um, the playing group, some of those teams, you know, haven't got weaker. Some have stayed the same. Like you could say that Penrith have got weaker because they've lost a couple of players, but mm. they've got great depth, so you wouldn't expect them to fall out of the top eight, so to speak. No, no, definitely not. Uh, uh, you know, so they're, they're going to be still finals footy. You know, the Roosters are going to be finals footy. South, you think, will still going to be finals football. The Sharks will continue to, to improve. Um, mm. Parramatta should should play finals football. They, they shouldn't have a, a fall from grace just after making a grand final. They should be playing no. finals. So you, you're right in everything you say that it's going to be difficult for those sides outside the top eight this season or last season to, to force their way in. But as we know there will be some changes to that top mm. eight. Yeah. Mm. There's always a side that's How are the Cowboys going to go, you reckon, this year? I think they'll go good. You reckon they'll have another good year? Yeah, I think so. Will there be we'll a Cowboys enough. from last year this yeah, year? That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is I reckon... there that one team that no one yep. ever thinks is going to do any good that can do what they did last year? <sighs> that, that was such a surprise. Like, no one had them in, let, no. let alone... Look, no, but certainly not in the top, no, anyone's way. top they're four, a young let alone way. eight. They're a young yeah. team. Yeah, how does it on their side? Sorry, Adam. I was gonna say age is on their side, Clark. You're like, no, no, I yeah. think you know, second year syndrome potentially. But that's what I was gonna ask. You know, as a player, you see that often. Yeah. That second year players, you know, become more aware of you, focus more yeah. on you, so mm. you don't have you don't have as good a year in your second year yeah. or your third year. How does it work with the coach? Can that happen? You know, for the Cowboys, there was a lot of talk around. Um, you know, how well, how structured they were. Obviously, they've got the players. Yeah. But can you have that with a coach as well, where your second year becomes harder or your third year becomes harder? Oh, the expectation. But yeah. the coaches are very good at putting the expectation aside and yeah. just driving your players to just high standards. Mm. Just making sure that your standards don't drop, your performances are better on the training paddock than mm. what they were the previous year, which then hopefully Because he's translate. done amazing, Toddy, oh, he's, he? he's done a fantastic job. But you look at through their, their team, like Drinkwater's a really good player and mm. he got plenty of confidence out of last year. Murray yeah. Tuolangi went on the Kangaroo Tour. Mm. So so he'll be better for them. You've got Valentine Holmes, who's exceptional. You've got young Tom Dearden, who played Origin last year and excelled. You've got the experience of Chad Townsend. You've got then, good stock. Then you've they? got these young forwards, you know. You've you got that uh, Lukey, he'll be back this mm. season. Uh, Nenai's probably yeah. one of the most exciting young back rowers we've we've seen I lost Gilbert, for a while. Dolphins. Yeah, I lost Tommy Gilbert, but he was always going to struggle to probably get into the side because you've got Tao Malolo. Um So I, I think the Cowboys will go okay again. Yeah. Okay. Mm. The only thing we haven't mentioned, Loz, is your Raiders from the top eight last year. Uh, yeah, well, I think they'll go well. I think Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm banking on the improvement, like the Cowboys, of Xavier Savage. So, yes. so I think he's, if he can progress the way he has done and cut out a few errors in his game, I think he's one of the most exciting young players in the game. Uh, Sebastian Chris and Matt Tomoko last year 
mm. were were outstanding, and they really developed and came on as the season uh, went went along. Uh, you've mm. got Jared Croker hopefully coming back from injury to give them a little bit of stability and a bit of um, experience out wide. You've got Fogarty there who will be there for the start of the year. Yep. You've got to remember he missed yeah long missed three the, months, the first what more yeah twelve games, games of the season. So mm. he and Jack will be a lot better, and then they've got their forward pack, which is very very good. Mm. Mm. Uh, the preseason format. What do you make of it? So hundred thousand oh. dollars in prize money up for grabs. What do you think? Oh, it's made for television, Jared. Let's let's be fair. Like the, the NRL want to put on something where they can have all all eight nine games. Sorry, uh, running you know one after the other across three or four days, and, and they've done that across both weekends. Oh, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I know this this the scoring system is very quirky. It's going to be hard for people to get their head around. And you know you're going to say we're going to some team might win. He plays against two teams who aren't trying that hard or or out of form, and they could rack up big wins and win this prize check. But you know I'm I'm, I'm not a massive advocate against it to be honest. So that's fine. Let's let them get on with it. I'm keen to see what young guys are trotted out of the trials. I'd imagine the coaches won't will still be making a, a ton of changes throughout games, particularly at half time. Just keen to see some footy back. So um, I'm sure whoever team wins it will be happy. That I know the chief executive and the board will be laughing at $100,000 going into the bank. But um, let's just see some footy and see how it plays out. All right, let's talk some racing. The Expressway tomorrow at Rose Hill. Have you got a best bet or two for us? Yeah, I, that Expressway stakes, Jared. I think it's a race in two. I know Loz has gone with Golden Mile to win. I, I can't argue with that. I've tipped Forbidden Love on top on Formline last night. It, it's it, I, Purely because it's going to be a drying track and she might be able to pinch a bit of a break at the top of the straight given where she'll be in the run. But I can also see Golden Mile running over the top of her. I think there's two value plays at Rose Hill there tomorrow. Race 10, number one, Super Pursuit in the last has been really good, I thought, in three runs back this campaign. And a couple of races behind I and Me, he drops down in grade, and he was a huge price early this week. He opened up $34, getting much more into his right price at the moment. So have something on him in the last. And I thought race three, number nine, Daytona, coming back from the Gold Coast, was also another horse of double figures who could feature. He was a little bit unlucky up there on the Gold Coast, travelling wide, and got his tongue over the bit. And his two runs before that in Sydney, I thought, were quite acceptable. So in a pretty even race, happy to have something on him each way. So that's race 10, number one, race 10, number one, Super Pursuit, and race three, number nine, Daytona, a couple of value plays there at Rose Hill tomorrow. Okay, yes, 12 and $11 respectively, those two horses. Uh, mate, you have a good weekend. I'm going to work on that tie over the weekend. I'm paranoid now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got to make sure you impress Giorgio over here. <laughs> Don't have it too fat, mate. There's only a couple of things you need. Good on you, Adam. Thanks so much, mate. And just before we go to the news, laws, just remind us of your inaugural 2023 multi. Now we're going to Rose Hill tomorrow. Race five, number nine, perfect proposal to run top two into... Race eight, number nine, golden mile to win. And if you want to be a part of that BSB multi, that's paying seven buckaroos. Uh, Clarky's blowing up about school holidays. <laughs> Lady. Kels goes back Wednesday. I'm like, what? The more money you pay, the more holidays you get. School fees gone down? Oh, no chance. School fees are an absolute joke. Teachers underpaid, don't get me wrong, but... Come on. Well, the reason we brought this up, with Toddy from Leeton on the text line. Morning, lads. Can you please give a quick shout-out to all the hard-working teachers who start back at school today and wish them all the best for 2023. Hope you fellas also have an awesome year. Good on you, Toddy from Leeton, sending that one through. This is our scoreboard update, though. It's Sam Ryder uh, leads the Farmers Insurance Open over there at Torrey Pines. Nine under par at the moment. He has a two-stroke lead from fellow Americans Brendan Steele and Max Homer. 
Uh, now, where's Jason Day at the moment? Because he was five under. He's now back to uh, yeah. He's now back to three under. Jason Day one over through his round at the moment. Second round over there it is at the moment at Torrey Pines. So he is what, six shots off the pace uh, in the Dubai Desert Classic last night, opening round. And uh, this was heavily weather-affected. So only a handful of players got through the 18 holes for their opening round. Thomas Peters of Belgium leads. He's five under through 15 holes. And Aussie Minwoo Lee, as it stands, is one under par. And he's also through 15 holes in his opening round. Last night, Sydney FC, good win against Melbourne Victory. 2-1 in the big blue there at Amy Park. The Aussie women in the cricket won very convincingly against Pakistan. Uh, the tourists posted seven for 96 in Hobart. In response, Australia two for 100. Got there pretty comfortably. Now, just on the text line here, a couple of texts about the Knights. Uh, just want to ask Loza his thoughts on the rumour, or the rumours, the Knights are going to trade a young local junior forward who's played junior origins for a third-string fullback from another club. It's a massive kick in the guts for me as a Knights fan. Considering all the players we've let go over the years, says Luke from Cessnock sending that one through. And I'm just uh, reading Barry Tui uh, treated uh, uh, with News Corp at the Newcastle Herald um, as well. Uh, been a, a fixture up there for years in uh, the Hunter, rugby league reporter. And he tweeted yesterday, I'm hearing the Lockie Miller deal to the Knights for three years is finally done. Uh, there is strong mail. He'll be traded for Knights, New South Wales, under-19s prop, Max Bradbury, who uh, Luke from Cessnock, I'm sure, mm, is talking about. Tough here. one, this, Loz. Uh, it is, because if he's a, a really good young player yep. and you've had him in your system and you let him go, yep. it could come back to bite you on the bottom. The only thing I will say about the trade would be they desperately need a fullback because they're looking at playing Ponga, is, is this the challenge that all teams face when you got the now versus the future? And, and and the most successful coaches generally fight the now to do what's best for the team in the future. Because to me this is a this is a right now the Knights need to make this decision for what's best this season, yeah. but it mightn't necessarily be the case in no, the next no. five over the next But five again, years. I I don't know the young guy. So so I yeah. can only go on. Um, he's played New South Wales under 19, so yeah. he must have. But it's some the fact ability. he's a local boy, right? Isn't this yeah. the thing we always talk about? That yeah. we, we we sit here and say, you know, we don't see it enough. The no. one club player, but he's an opportunity for the Knights to really bank on, you know, a bit of that loyalty and a and, and a local boy. Yeah. And first opportunity, they're throwing him out. But they've probably got, and again, I haven't got the squad here, but you've got the Saifidi brothers. Um, there was a young guy, just, oh, what was his name last year? He made a real big impact. So they've got a number of young front rowers already in their squad, so they probably feel as though they can release him yeah. and get some one that we need now in, in Lockie Miller to add to our spine. Again, I, I hate seeing players uh, getting moved on, but it is the nature of the beast. And Newcastle would have a better idea and understanding of the young player and where he fits into the picture. You would like to think so, more than me sitting here having an opinion on someone I've never seen play. I've watched Lockie Miller play, and I think he's a really good player. Yeah. From what I've seen, 
and I think he can develop nicely into a good player for Newcastle. Gosh, we've had a lot of texts over the last, it feels like two, three years about, from Knights fans, irate at their juniors that they seem to yeah. let go and not be able to keep it. It's funny you say Clarkie's well before, talking about the now as opposed to the future. Mm. Well, look at the coach and his situation there. Yeah, he, he needs to win. He needs to win the first now. four games or he gets sacked. Yeah, I, but, Adam O'Brien. Yeah, so. I know. Yeah, but, but you but, made the, the man, points I, right. You should be coaching for the future, right? Well, but well, I th- I think, he's a coach I think who this, needs to win right now for himself. I think the team. this is why, uh, you know, we talk about in cricket terms, cricket Australia, you have people in positions do, and they need to do their job. So I understand a coach might need to focus on right here, right now, but... There's the CEO or the high performance manager or whatever it is. He needs to be going to the coach and saying, "Hang on, we can't give you this selection. We can't give you what you want here because we also have a job that requires looking after this team for the next two, three, five, yeah. ten, fifteen years, and this kid's a part of that future." So I don't, I don't no, know. No, but they might have made that decision. They might think that this kid is not a part of the future. Not a part of our future. We've got okay. other kids that are going to be better than him. But so that, that's, that's, their that, that's a big call. Let's have a look at how many Knights, young Knights players are playing Origin. Uh, in Junior Origin. In junior Origin, yeah. Let's, let's have a look at how many. I'd like to know how many yeah. Knights players are. If this kid's playing Junior Origin, yeah. you'd like to think yeah. he, he's got the potential to be a future NRL yeah. player. If they've got six, seven players playing Junior Origin, fair call. But yeah. what if they've got one? Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, again, but they, they might. It's hard for me to, to have Because you haven't seen him play. I've never yeah. seen him play. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I don't want to come out and say, well, they should have kept him yeah. or, or let him go. Yeah. They're in the best position to assess the player. Mm. Um, but they definitely needed another player to add into their spine. So to get that player, that might have been a trade You've got to release someone. Yes, you have to release yeah, someone. Yeah, I understand. So, so we want that guy. And you can either stay steadfast in your decision and go, no, I'm not going to release him. Yeah. Well, the deal is off the table. Mm. I, I, but I, I, I know that... Lockie Miller will help Newcastle. He'll help their attack, and it then allows them to put Ponga into the into the halves. Yeah. How are you, Rog? Oh, very good, boys. Very good. Just to the back end now, so this is where it all happens, and we we uh, we find out a fair bit about some players because it's a they're pressure moments, aren't they? Big pressure moments, big pressure occasions, and uh, they're good times at uh, major events. No one better than Djokovic, mate, under pressure. Another big game, but oh, I don't know. The more we talk about it, the more I just think he's really... I feel like he's getting more motivation to to hold this trophy, to win this Australian. Even what's gone down overnight with his old man, like the media trying to put that onto Djokovic, it's just... He, I think he'd be loving this. Yeah, and I, th- and, and I think also the media, you know, was... Was it a case of his his father going out there to thank the supporters and you know and to and to, and to just get around them a bit and if there's a flag there all of a sudden you're attached to it you know what I mean like yeah. it, so I think there's a fair bit of that that goes on as well as as we know it's it's the it's the media so um, yeah look Novak's definitely filled there's no doubt about that and he's you know he's got a he, he can see the draw in front of him. He can see what's left in the field, and and Tommy Paul's his next opponent. He's an American. He, you know, he's he's one one event. Uh, Novak's won ninety three in, in their careers. Uh, so that when you look at the the golf, they're ten years age difference, and and obviously the experience is um, enormous as far as when you look at head to head and what they and what they uh, have done throughout their course of the career. But um, you know, Tommy Paul gets a free hit, doesn't he? he gets a free free shot of that. You get out there in the semi finals. 
you're not sure if you're going to get into another semi-finals in your career. I mean, you know, there's they're, they're limited spots, and uh, he may he may continue. Uh, you know, this might be the first of, of of a few or or a handful. But um, so you've got to you've got to play try and play a big game. And Tommy Paul does have a game which is uh, has got he's got variety and he's got mixture and he and he can come forward to the net and he's quite a creative thinker on the tennis court. Um, has he got the resolve to play a big game of tennis and can he play a big game of tennis and, and endure the, I guess, the mental battle um, with Novak over that, that period of time? You'd probably, uh, you know, that's probably going to be that, that's going to be a question. But uh, we find out, you know, some people put their hand up in these moments and, and, and do some, some pretty amazing things. But this would have to be, this would be, this would have to be a big turn. Yeah, I, I must say, I haven't heard about Tommy Paul before this uh, tournament. Yeah, but fair is, enough yeah, too. So, so is he someone that's got a game that will continue to progress, Rog, or has he got a bit lucky, or has he just played some really good tennis throughout this? Australia? No, he has got a game that. Yeah, good question. Yeah. He's got a game that will continue to progress. He's got. He's got. A, he's an interesting guy because he's quite. He's got a quite a creative mind, and he's on the court. He's. You know, he's. He looks to to serve different speeds, different types of balls, whether it's flat, whether it's a kick serve. He's happy to serve a kick serve at 150 k's in the first serve. And as mixture, you know, he's always sort of out there thinking. He's he's really good mover and quite aggressive on the ball when he when he has time. And um, and he's prepared to come, you know, he's happy to come forward as well. So um, so he's got, yeah, he's got, he should only grow. He'll, he'll now yep. uh, get into the, he'll, he'll now put himself in the top 20 players in the world. And, and um a, that's a great feat, but B, he's got some, you know, he's got some more legs attached to him. Well, there's no value for Novak in the market. He's a dollar five. Tommy Paul's ten dollars <laughs> head to head. Uh, the other semi-final. I've tried to talk him up. <laughs> <laughs> it's worked. Uh, the other no, semi-final. The other semi-final. Stefanos Zitsipas is a dollar thirty-seven favourite against Karen Kachanov, who's three dollars ten with tab. Who are you with in that one, Rog? Uh, this, look, this one's a little tighter, um, I think, and uh, maybe a little tighter than that. Sitsipas has got the, the all-court game, so he's got all the different ways of uh, of winning winning on the tennis court. He's, but uh, Hatchinov has got, you know, he's got he's got a big serve. He's hit the most backhand winners out of anybody in the tournament uh, by a fair way, and uh, that's his that's his that's a real weapon of his. And he's and he's rock solid off the back of the court, and and very disciplined, and he's and he's uh, mentally a really strong athlete. So he's physically there and available for that challenge. Um, Sitsipas will, I guess, will will be spending a lot of time trying to take uh, his opponent's time away by shortening the court where he stands and coming forward and and creating some mixture. So, oh, I think that that, that one's um, that one's interesting because if Sitsipas is a little um, edgy and he's a little nervy and and there are, and he he can have those moments. He's actually had to defend the most break points of anyone in the tournament. So. Left in the four, so that's that's always a big concern for mine when I when I see a player having to defend so many break points. The you know the the, the longer the tournament goes and the uh, the further you get, they they can hurt you. So yeah, no, I think that's going to be a tight match. I'm going to lean slightly with Sitsipas, but I just think he's got a bigger all court game when he uh, and he, he'll find some other ways to win. But uh, um, yeah, has got. It wouldn't surprise me if that one's that one's quite a uh, that ends up being a long long tennis match and a and a you know a, you know he could sneak through you never know. Who wins the women's final? Rod Sabalenka, a uh, dollar sixty five, and a Ryber Keita, the Wimbledon champ, slight outsider, two dollars twenty five. 
Yeah, I, look, I think uh, Sabalenka making a first final, that was a big thing for her. Gee, she, I don't know if any of you saw that. She pounds the ball. Like, she just, she, you know, she's hitting the ball her forehand as big as the biggest men are hitting their forehands. Um, so she's aggressive. Great to see her in her first, her first final. She, she, she's been stumbling at this, at the semi final mark. So, uh, so, and then there's Rybakina, who's, who, you know, she, she's a Wimbledon champ. Gee, she's calm, six foot tall, moves really well. I, I'm going to. I want Sabalenka because I think she's she's had to endure a lot. Um, she's probably deserved of being a major uh, champion, and hopefully she can, she can get through. But what what a, what a, this is pretty even, I think. Mm. It's I'm I'm slightly leaning Sabalenka just because I think it would be a, it'd be a really cool story. Great to see a couple of Aussies in the doubles final: uh, Riki Hijikata and also uh, Jason Kubler. They're slight yeah. outsiders. Two dollars for their final. Their opponents. A dollar seventy-two. Yeah, well, you just you just jump on the Aussies, wouldn't you? I mean, like there's you know the the boys that last year, Kokonakis and Kyrgios, and this is a really good story because you know you go watch these guys play. There's nothing big about their games, but they're they're good lads who compete hard, do everything pretty well. Um, you know, they're they're solid everywhere, and they're having some fun. And um, doubles is interesting. It's a it's you know, there's a lot of mixed teams. There's a lot of opportunities. Uh, these two are, are quite capable singles players, and combine them together, they're, they're playing some good doubles. And so, going to be a great, great, great opportunity for them. Uh, I think they'll play that tomorrow. And uh, but a great, what a great opportunity for them. They could be Grand Slam, you know, major champions. And if it's whether it's singles, doubles, um, you know, for some people, you know, to, you know, you'll take you'll take wherever you get to in a major, um, and just have that experience. And it could. It also could catapult their singles, which is what both of them are really trying to do. Um, uh, when it's all said and done, they want to be they want to be really top end singles players and put themselves in the top hundred and stay in there. Um, so this is a great launching pad for them. But yeah, exciting moment for them. Big smiles on their faces, and there should be. Hopefully, we're cheering an Aussie victory, and we see some great <laughs> contests over the weekend. Rog, appreciate it as always. Thanks, boys. Have a good weekend. Brad Davidson, very good morning to you. Morning, guys. How are we going? Yeah, pretty well, thank you. And uh, we've got the Furphy Expressway tomorrow there. Race 8 on the card at Rose Hill Gardens. Wait for age, Group 2. Uh, quite a few kicking it off this campaign. What do you like here? How do you think it's going to unfold? Yeah, look, it's um, good to have these uh, nice horses returning to the races, guys. And obviously, we've got Forbidden Love here, Golden Mile, a, a couple of those. And, uh, yeah, interested to see how it does play out. It's a uh, it's a fascinating race to to try to work out because you've got a horse like Forbidden Love who on her day I think would be too good for these. Um, it's just a case of of where she's at and you know, she's coming off a bit of a disappointing prep last time in. She has trialed well though, and um, if she's ready to go here, she's extremely well weighted at the weight for age con- conditions. So for me, I've got to lean away just off that trial. Um, yeah, I, I think that she's come back well this time in. If we can kind of forgive last preparation and go off her previous form, then then uh, she's the horse to beat. Golden Miles, an interesting one, guys. Um, I think he's priced a, a little bit too aggressively there in, in the market. He, he's, he's done a good job today, don't get me wrong, but I can't help but feel he's being overplayed a little bit here. Um, you know, he's... He has only he won the Caulfield Guineas, but I think it's fair to say that the Caulfield Guineas was well below average um, last year. It wasn't wasn't an overly strong race, and then he's come out and only just beat Communist in a in a albeit at one of those pop up races that's worth a million dollars at Randwick. So uh, look, I'm not saying he, he's not got a, he doesn't have a chance there. He's quite clearly progressive, and 
and you know gets him with the 55 kilos and finds James McDonald there. But 1,200 is probably, well, we know it's a little bit short of his best. And I just got a little question over that uh, three-year-old form and, and whether it's that strong from the spring. So that leads me back to Forbidden Love. I think Maria Mee is the, the danger. I thought she was terrific first up. And she's got the run under the belt where a lot of these obviously are resuming from the spell. So she might catch them on the hop to some degree. But... Look, Forbidden Love on top, Maria Mia the Danger, Golden Mile, the one I have to take on there in the expressway tomorrow. All right then, Dave. Talking about prices in the Canterbury, is King's Gambit the right price? I, I think so. Yeah, I, I can't see it drifting. Um, I'd be shocked if it does. I, I can only see it firming probably to about a dollar thirty or a dollar twenty-five. So you think he's going to win? Yeah, I think yeah. he wins. Yeah, I do. I, look, look, Red Resistance was pretty good there on debut. Didn't run time or anything, but showed good fight and I suppose that's the only little query I do have what's the I suppose you know what where's the the bottom of of that horse but I mean you've got King's Gambit who's run probably the the best figure so far of a a two-year-old this season and and he's trialed particularly well leading into this um you know he's trial he beat Don Corleone easily he was under the bit being ridden along out the back and this horse was just absolutely cruising so uh, I just think he, he puts himself close to the speed. He's got James McDonald, and yeah, I think he'll, he'll justify that uh, golden with, with that then, Dave, well. I, obviously, you, no one knows a two-year-old's ceiling, so mm. you're saying he's run the best figures. Mm-hmm. So with an early progressive two-year-old, when they run their best figures, are they capable of still going bang, bang? Because I hear a lot of judges, when you talk about the older horses, say, well, they've run their best figures. Their next start, they might be vulnerable. Yeah, exactly right. That's the key with lightly raced horses. They can they can easily run that again, if not improve on it, because we just don't know what their ceiling is with older horses. When they have that career peak run where everything goes right, they, they generally come back off that next time out. So, I mean, we can only judge him off the one run. He, he did it with ease. Yes, he didn't beat much, but he, he smashed the clock and he ran time and, and he put him away in convincing style. Uh, the trial suggests he's, he's come back really well. And I just wonder whether that the Snowdens maybe thought this guy was, was good, but they were talking, you know, Blue Diamonds a while back, and now they're sort of saying, well, let's just wait and see what happens here. And then I, I got a feeling if he comes out and wins well, they might just target the slipper with him and say, okay, he, he's pretty good. He's a, they've got a, you know, they've got a really good bunch of two-year-olds, but I think he's clearly the, the top of them. And, at this stage, and uh, yeah, I mean, he's just, he picks himself there in the Canterbury tomorrow, guys. Now, in the Widden, Loz in his multi's got perfect proposal to run top two. Uh, Learning to Fly is the current favourite at $3.70 for NFL Nisham and Chad Schofield. How do you see this playing out? Yeah, well, perfect proposal is going to be up there on speed. She was terrific in the gym crack when absorbing pressure and running second behind Platinum Jubilee. Two trials have been solid. I thought learning to fly trial I trialed a bit better than her on both occasions. So interested to see what this debutant can do for Annabelle Nisham. I spoke to Annabelle yesterday just to get a bit of a guide and, and what they're what they're thinking and uh, Annabelle said they'll just get Saturday out of the way before they sort of think of anything that she's a she's an English horse, so there's English Millennium and of course, you know, there's the, the chance of a blue diamond or a slipper if she can live up to the, the hype there on the weekend. But look, I lent her way over Perfect Proposal, um, just off off the trials and what I've seen so far. But I think Perfect Proposal will roll forward and give a really good kick as she did there on, on debut, Loz. Thank you, Dover. Like that confidence. Okay. Now, your best bet. What are we doing? Look, I'm just going to play, I think it's a day to just spec a bit wide, guys. Race 6, number 13, La Jolly Fee there at around the $8, $9 mark. 
I just think she gets in really well here with 52 kilos. She's got some pretty good form at Rose Hill. And just five weeks between runs, heavily back the other day and just went a bit too hard on speed. So I think that'll really toughen her up for this. Uh, finished third behind Newlywed at this track over 1,500 back in November. And even her run in a benchmark 78 here was beaten three and a half lengths. Should have been beaten about a length. Had no luck whatsoever in the, in the straight. So um, I think she's had excuses of late. She gets down to 52 kilos here at around that 8 $9 mark. I was happy to, to spec away at her there. Race six, number 13, La Jolly Feet. $8.50 to win, 280 the place with Tab. Have a great weekend, mate. You too. Have a great day, guys. Cheers.